0: To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Is oh, it yeah. that 200-inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, I got a brand new podcast for you. So this week's episode, I sit down with my buddy, Chase Galantine. Um, Chase has been on the podcast before. He lives and works up in Alaska up there, and and uh, we released the podcast last week about the Hall Road. I had the Hawaii guys and Chase on there, and a, a lot of laughs. And you got to hear how the hunt went down. Uh, this is more informative, where we really break down the hunt. And I just, you know, I got back to Chase's. We got this caribou butchered, and I'm getting ready to fly out. And I I was just reflecting upon the hunt and the experience, and just um just how cool it really is to have the opportunity to do this and, and just how I want to share all this information with you guys. So, uh, Chase is a great guy, super knowledgeable, really fun to sit down with him. I enjoyed the podcast. I think you guys will too. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Sig Sauer Optics. Uh, Six Hour is just doing a great job with their optics. I'm so impressed. Um, I've been using them this season, their spotting scope and their binoculars, and they're such high-end glass. They compare with all the top brands out there, uh, but they really give it to you for a fair price. So um, I I love looking through high-end glass, and this stuff is no exception. Uh, So crisp and clear, great colors in it, uh, great edge clarity, um, just absolutely top-of-the-line glass. So make sure you check those out. And their rangefinders are absolutely top of the heap. Um, I think they're the best rangefinders made. I'm using one now, and for a bow hunter, it does angle compensating. It's got a powerful laser to shoot through glass, it does last target, first target, priority mode. Uh, accurate readings whether it's a light or dark target. I just I trust this thing and it, it's really helped my bow hunting. This is one of those facets of bow hunting that, that we don't really think about the rangefinder but it it really helps. If you have a good range you can hit the animal and if you don't um, you know bad things happen. So uh, make sure to check out the rangefinders and for the rifle guy it's just amazing. They have a, an app that goes with your phone um, that syncs up with your rangefinder. It'll do all the calculations so you know exactly where to hold and and more stuff than I can even describe in the, in the podcast. It, it, it's just awesome with what they've come up with. So make sure to check out their rainfinders Top of the Heap, Sig Sour Optics. Thanks to those guys for sponsoring the podcast. And with that, um, it's really fun. We're getting a bunch of Eastman mes- messages here, um, guys being successful. Uh, Dan Picard, he arrowed a really nice bull like September 26th. And then uh, Jordan Brashears, he got one the 27th, Um, so a couple bulls down. I just got a text from a guy this morning that the hunt winner killed a really nice bull, like a 7 by 8 or something like that. I believe that one's in Colorado, so um, just fun to see everybody's success. Brandon Mason, um, he killed a really nice antelope buck, and his son, Hunter, which I believe is like twelve or thirteen. Filmed the whole hunt for them, so pretty neat. They were able to share in that, and um, yeah, I've just been I've been hunting with these Hawaii guys. I um, they came out here to hunt elk, and um, really fun hunting. Gosh, we really were into the bulls and had some close calls and even a couple misses. And I I tried to record an in the field podcast. The information was great on it, but just a little bit of wind noise on my recorder, so the the recording didn't pan out. So I'll have to get those guys back on the podcast so we can describe our hunt and and how it went it was really fun we spotted an elk while recording um, a bull and then trying to make a game plan for it. it's a great real-time action but yeah that wind noise just kind of killed that recording so um, it, it's always a live and learn with with everything in life with hunting and uh, podcast recording and the whole deal but we'll get those guys back on and, and record that podcast and yeah I'm going to take off here for a week. Um, it's good timing for work and I'm going to get out and chase these bulls around and uh, see if I can't get an arrow in a good mature bull. So um, super excited. I got the truck all loaded up waiting for the guys to show up here and, and uh, I'm going to hit the road and go chase some bulls. So um, let's get this podcast rolling. So uh, Chase Gallantine and I on Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. All right, I'm live here in Alaska. I'm here with my buddy Chase Galentine. Um It's my last night here, and we just thought we'd sit down and record a podcast. We had such a great trip. Um, just got done with, with off the northern slope and going and hunting caribou up there. Um, man, how much fun was that? Yeah, it's the coolest thing going. Right? It really is. Um, gosh, I dreamed about hunting that place for 10, 15 years, and to finally go do it last year and commit to it... Um, And we had a blast last year, and we learned a lot, and then we came back this year, and um, you get to use a lot of that knowledge, but in that same breath, um, it's different every time. It it was a different hunt this time. The weather was different, conditions were different, caribou were in a different spot, but it's great. You just keep building knowledge up there.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were hunting 50 miles north of where we were hunting last year. I mean, everything was different. We came in earlier, of course. Yep. So that's... Everyone says later's maybe a little better, but um, saw more of that uh, small band, small group, onesies, twosies, you know, six head here, not this big giant herd like we had last year, which I don't know which one's better. I mean, I feel like we're still in a pulse of caribou, just not this major migration.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's tough with the dates, too, because the, the weather up there, I mean, you're in the Arctic. Like it can start snowing and get cold at any point in time and even for us we went early and we got cold every single day and it was that that real damp wet cold, it reminds me of steelhead fishing. Yeah, Just, coastal. Um, yeah, it's coastal. Just damp and wet and, and uh, windy and it was about what, 30s, 40 degrees every single day. And uh, didn't really change too much. 24 hours of light up there. Some rain here and there. But it, it wasn't too bad. It didn't fog us out too much or anything like that. It was actually pretty nice. Knocked the bugs down a little bit. Yeah, there's a... Um,
1: 42, 43 degrees the bugs come out in force.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: 41 degrees they're gone. Um, and we had we had quite a bit of of a static type wind that I think helps knock the bugs down too. Just a little bit cooler having... You know, a uh, little bit of breeze in your face. As long as you mm-hmm. walk, you get the breeze in your face. The bugs, the mosquitoes and stuff don't get you. Mm-hmm. As soon as you turn in, you know, face into the wind, you know, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Get you roached.
0: Yeah, oh, they're, they're as thick as they get up there. But, you know, in the same breath, like you say, when you're moving, they're not that bad. A little bit of deed on you, they stay away from you. Thermocell burning, like... You can just deal with them. They just don't take away from the experience up there. It's just part of it. You just have to embrace it. It's like embracing that, the, the tundra up there, the the mosquitoes up there, and the caribou are perfectly suited for that habitat, for that tundra. The way their splayed feet move across it, they, they walk at 15 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they can just walk out of your life at any point in time. And so it's tough for me because... I mean, you know how I have, we've been hunting together now for seven, eight days in a row. Like, I'm aggressive. I like to go for it. We're constantly going on stocks and plays. And a lot of times it bites us because they're moving caribou or they move out of there. But you try to you try to judge whether they're hanging in that spot or migrating and try to get in front of them. Really, we made quality plays all week long. Yeah.
1: I mean, we, the stocks we had were the high percentage. Wow, we put ourselves in good situations. We had... Several close calls as far as <coughs> almost getting into bow range and, you know, um, or in bow range and went wrong. Um, unethical shots that could have been taken but not taken because mm-hmm. of, you know, really big bulls, several of them together, but they're together. There's not an ethical shot to be had. And, you know, um, drawing those boundaries for yourself and then falling through with them. It offered a lot of great education and opportunity up there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, um, well, that's one thing to get into range. It's another thing to get them to stop moving sometimes. And, yeah, the situation you're talking about, we had several of them. we're just looking for that good shot where you know you're going to kill them. And we had them come in, and they were within my range. And it was a, well, it was a huge herd that we spotted, and they were on the move. And so we got in front of them, worked our way down a ridge, and we had Robin with us. There was three of us. At that point, we're trying to jog in the tundra. And I that had to be the worst of mosquitoes were the whole trip. Yeah. Remember, you took a yeah. picture of Robin's hat, and he just <laughs> had like a thousand of them on him?
1: Yeah, that's a, um, a a nine on the, the tundra scale. And uh, um, mosquitoes were, yeah, they were a nine lines across the board there's different levels of tundra you know as far as what you're going to walk on what you're going to run into and some are manageable and you know i guess they're all manageable but some just um, suck a little more
0: yeah they're not all the same so every stock is different and the terrain is different and yeah like you're talking about we came up with a, a difficulty scale that we rated the tundra by depending on how tough it was to move through and some of it you know, it's, you're like, you're walking in a lake. You can't tell that it's all water, but it's a lake. It's up to your knees, above your thighs at some points. You're falling through, you know, the the bottom carpet of the of the muskeg, which yeah, is a little that, spooky that. into those, the sinkholes. Yeah. Sink yeah. Lose, your, lose your boot. A <laughs> couple of those, yeah, just scare <laughs> me. But I mean, um, you know, that's a 10 to, to move through. And then some of it's drier, you know, uh, uh, less moguls to it where it's like a... Two or a three but yeah that that little run we had was definitely high on the difficulty scale and then high on the annoyance scale of the mosquitoes but we put ourselves these caribou they're um, they're like I say they're they're well suited for the tundra and it doesn't make sense for them you know they have hundreds and hundreds of square miles across there that they move through if their predators are chasing them like wolves they don't relocate like elk. They don't relocate five miles away, 10 miles away, and they're away from the problem. They go back to being elk. Like caribou, you can't run away from a wolf out there. He can chase you forever. So you move 200 yards and you keep an eye on them. And, and sometimes, you know, the caribou just move faster than we can keep up with. So we say that 15 miles never walking, sometimes you just can't catch up to them or they just go on the move and get out of there. And then sometimes, They'll keep within a couple hundred yards and just keep an eye on you. But the trick is that you got to be able to move in on those things without them ever seeing your presence or they're to you. And so, like, you got to keep below the ridge lines and you're hunting them in the wide open out and through there. And there's some features and some folds, but it's like hunting antelope for those things.
1: Yeah, you definitely, you look at it and you just think there's no way and you can find some topography that's worth working through and you have... Um, you increase your odds by bluffs and bigger brush and things that you actually move through, and a non-swirling wind, or yep. you know, um, and caribou in the right place too. Right. And sometimes you just can't do it. So, but you, until you get out there and try, you don't know. So you're just mm-hmm. always going on these little uh, little missions that sometimes you know your hunting partner just keeps moving the needle on you and you <laughs> keep, keep running around out there in the tundra. But um, it's you look at it you think there's just no way, but there's actually there's plays to be had almost in every, you know, drainage, every flat. You can make it work. You just gotta get out there and try. And maybe a lot of it's false hope because again, these things will they'll, they'll stay a safe distance and, you know, a caribou at hundred and twenty yards, I wanna keep going, you know, where you bust a caribou and he runs out and stops and he's on the other side of a bluff and he's not that far away, when he keeps you wanna keep going. They keep going and they just keep moving. You know, I know they're smart i think they're a triple threat think i think it's you know hearing eyesight it's got to be smell i mean they're just out there in the flats
0: yep we got winded too sometimes there's just nothing you can do the approach we had to take like is is from you know the bad wind side and so we'd work it either from the left or the right depending on you know where that dominant wind was blowing but we almost had to cheat it in a few scenarios and we had to cheat it due to the landscape like you couldn't circle all the way around because then you didn't have the land features you'd have to crawl you know a mile through that lake to get to him and so it just wasn't feasible and so you got to kind of use the features and use the topography but then that that wind's bad and so we cheat it to the left or the right of the herd and that one stock that we had um god just a giant bully he had to have 40 points when he looked at us yeah. just a monster and we spotted them bedded and we could just see their horns over or their antlers over the skyline, and yeah. uh, that's the one I'm thinking of. But yeah, we had a bad wind, but they were right over the top of that ridge, and we worked it, and finally got the wind right. We went back and forth, it and then back.
1: Your, yeah, it was every hundred yards the wind would switch around on us. Like, I, yeah, you could almost tell how the bugs were getting at you, and the the wind just kept switching. Yeah. So we we did this this vicious zigzag Yeah <laughs> Adam at him. We probably looked like we didn't know what we were doing out there. Mm-hmm. But
0: Eventually ended up on the right side of him, had a good win, crawled in. Two of the bulls, they were shooters. There was just one in there There was just, he was a monster. He had so many points, so big. And it was just I just wanted a chance at him. And just to be able to look at a caribou like that through my binoculars and and have them there at a couple hundred yards and all on public ground and my bow in my hands. I mean, that to me is worth the price of admission. And we recreated that over and over and over. Like, yeah. um, we, have, we, we we played it smart. Like, so we're, we're hunting off, you know, the, the only road that goes north that you can hunt, the access road, the Hall road up and through there. And... You know, there's other guys that hunt it. It's a blue-collar hunt. And there's challenges like the mosquitoes, the tundra, the caribou, finding the migration, not finding the migration. The challenges with the road getting flats. We had two flat tires we fixed. Um, You know, the challenges with the river. Like, it's the weather, it's just not easy up there. But... You know, taking it to that next level where I think a lot of guys are cruising those road systems, which is the one way that you cover the tundra, and we cruise the road systems as well. Like, there's there's no other way to do it. When you're covering hundreds of miles of this access road, you got to find the caribou, but once you find them, then it's finding those spots that you can hike into and get looks at places that nobody else is. And looking deeper into country and dissecting it further, and and hanging around that country, not just driving through and go I'm leaving for the day. Go, you know I I know this is where the migration is happening, and so this is where I'm gonna focus and I'm gonna dissect this flat and make a play, or I'm gonna dissect this bench across the river because I know they're here, and then I'm gonna make a play on them. Is that yours? Yeah. Sorry. Right. No worries.
1: Um, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of great things um, up there. It's. The opportunity it brings, I still, you know, we've talked about it before, but between a truck, a boat, and I think a mountain bike, you can really cover all that country, get away from the roads on a bike, yep. get away from the roads on a you know, on a raft, um, and year to year will we change. I mean, some years they're going to love to be on those, uh, those islands out there in the middle of that river, you know, in the middle of the Sag River, because, I mean, you and I saw that when we're out there in the middle of the river on those, Mm -hmm. you know, rock islands. Bugs aren't bad. Wind's pretty static. Like, I mean, that's where I'd want to be. It's nice living out there, isn't it? Yeah, wet tundra. And like, yeah, just living out there on those sandbars and rock flats with the wind static and the bugs gone. Mm -hmm. There's a
0: huge difference. Mm -hmm. Well, the bull we killed was in a river bottom and through there. So yeah, we just had a great trip. Why buddy showed up. I think
1: three of the bulls that were harvested were living down against that river ultimately
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know um yeah the, i mean two of our buddies got decent bulls against the river and you know yours was living on the river and I, I honestly, i think robs was down in that area too i think they're all in there but they're caribou they walk away at 15 miles you know an hour things go where they want they do so, they're here, and then they're there. <laughs> yeah, and then they can come back here, and then over there. <laughs> yeah, right. They just, uh,
0: they're a weird creature, you know, but they're just an awesome animal to hunt. And I, I just love hunting things with a bow and arrow. It, like, gives me the true respect for them. Like, um, you know, a, a predator has to catch them with tooth and claws, and that's what they've evolved from. And also evolved, you know, from hunting pressures. It's been 200,000 years that we've been chasing stuff with sharp sticks, you know, but... They, they still, like, they just, um, hunting them with a the bow and arrow and having to get that close, like, you just, uh, you get this appreciation for their, for, for their senses and for their instincts and how tough they are. We got into bow range of a lot of caribou, and we pushed it hard. We were doing miles, and it's light for 24 hours up there, where we were just running ourselves ragged, met, uh, the Hawaii guys up there, which just made a great crew, we had a big hunting party, and, um but yeah we pushed it hard day after day putting in those miles getting close to caribou and it's tough to pull it off to get that that ethical good shot that you're looking at but finally the last day we pulled it off and caught that bull down in that bottom and uh able to creep down in there man make a good shot on him, and um it actually hit him a touch high um God, I just I had my pin settled right on him. We were, he was bedded right there on him for like 30 minutes waiting for him to stand. And then finally stands up and gives me just that shot I've been waiting for, doesn't know him there, and put settle my pin on him and execute my shot. And the arrow hits him a little bit high, but it hurt him bad and caught top of lungs, and he didn't go far, and, yeah. um, piled up 120 yards or so. And then we look back at the footage, and he actually... He ducked before the arrow got there. I couldn't believe that arrow jump was Yeah, we learned that. Yeah, they're twitchy. Yeah, he he totally ducked like he's. You can see him, and right where I want to hit is on the ridge line, and you see his back just drop right before that arrow gets there, it's clean as day. But uh, yeah, the shot did the job, and uh, really nice caribou, nice heavy tops on them, and I mean delicious meat oh yeah got them all butchered today and got my stuff all packed up i fly out tomorrow man it's just been a great trip so much fun
1: yeah we got to keep uh keep making these plans and doing this stuff i mean it's this is one of the coolest things going up here but we sure have a lot of other opportunities and things we should probably go do that would make it more than once a year if you can help
0: it yes absolutely yeah that's for sure but yeah, that is, that's just too much fun up there. I just love it up there. Just chasing some of those world-class caribou. That's just a riot. And I um, say, so yeah, they're tough. It's tough living up there. Never know what you're going to do for the weather, timing of the migration. Um, but what an experience. Yeah,
1: it was, it was good. There was, you know, Tundra was bad, but I think it was, I, I, I think it was better than last year. Um, as far as moisture, mm-hmm. um, when we saw, I guess we saw that with the blueberries, mm-hmm. the the lack thereof, mm-hmm. like no blueberries, mm-hmm. where last year they were everywhere.
0: Yeah, just different conditions, and we ran into a guy down there. Like, there's other options too. Like, so it's bow hunting only, five miles either side, and that's, you know, within the pressure, and you kind of got to play the game and deal with it, and, and most guys are pretty good, good, and give you a common courtesy, and then, you know, some guys will. We'll stop or come on a stock or come in a different angle and give them a bad wind or you know there's just it it's hunting high pressure at times especially when the migration is condensed but you can always get away from it you can always use the raft to get on the other side and go hike and it seems like you hike a mile out in that tundra and the mile it's like hiking three miles anywhere else but you hike a mile out in there you gotta know it yourself so that's where you got to focus on is getting to the good vantage points glassing over that good country finding those caribou and then trying to move in and close in and either cut them off or make a stock on them.
1: Yeah. You know, and then there's other pressure and there's guys that roll up and, you know, glass and see what's going on. And, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a family that had a, a strong hunting culture. You know, you have a strong hunting culture, a lot of people that want to be, you know, in the, in the field and doing it. that just don't have the, Leadership that we had, or the you know, the, the you know, somebody guiding us like we had, yeah, and learn how to do it and the opportunities we had. A lot of these guys up here on the road that we ran into are you know, they're um GIs, they're up here for a couple years and they just want to just check it out and go for it. And they're looking for adventure, and it's tough to keep that in mind at times because it's like, dude, you totally roached me, like this is going to be an awesome deal, and you totally messed me up. But they're just good dudes out there, just seeing where they're yeah. at, like the rest of us. Like you said, it's a blue collar hunt. Yeah, you know, yeah, we can we can totally go catch a flight and we can fly in somewhere and get jumped off and hopefully they show up in the course of seven days or we can do what we've been doing and getting multiple stocks Mm -hmm. in the course of epic stocks in the course Mm -hmm. of a hunting trip, which you you can go five six days. You know, I growing up in Montana, I'd go on a five day hunt by myself and just going for it and end up with one opportunity Mm -hmm. that I totally ruined because it's been so long, and I've been thinking about it so hard that when it happens, I'm not ready. <laughs>
0: right, you get rusty, yeah. You gotta get in sync, and in sync with the country you're in, too. But yeah, um, you're right. No, it's a cool way to go to go about it, but there's also different approaches, too, and with a little bit of research, like, we met a guy up here, so, you know, if guys aren't bow hunters or proficient with bows or wanna mess with that, like, we met that guy, um, uh, Jeff. And Jeff was running a drop camp where he'd take you up, and it was super affordable what he was doing. And he'd take guys up to the rifle zone, he had another camp upriver and take them up in the Delta. So he had a little operation he was running there. And it was fairly inexpensive to run up there and have a camp away from everybody else. And then we also ran into another camp, and those guys had two planes in there. And they were flying clients in, and all of a sudden they were wheeling and dealing and saying, Yeah, we can fly you in somewhere. And so... You know, I think, you know, where you wouldn't have to pay as much gas. you know, you could get flown in and, you know, you could work some deals that way and with a little bit of research. And I've i got both of those guys' cards and both of their numbers, and you just never know what you're, where you're going right. to end up or what you're going to do or what experience you're looking for, too, you know. Right. Fly in and float out. Yeah. Run up with an airboat and float out. I know, so many options. It'd be fun. Yep.
1: It'd be fun. Float trips are fun, you know. Um. But it's a, it's a different, you know, being able to go from Galbraith to almost like just, you know, just outside of Dead Horse. I mean, how many thousand, you know, you just, it's just open. It's caribou country everywhere you look. Mm-hmm. And all of it offers something different. And when the caribou are in those zones, you're just going to make it work. Mm-hmm. You're in the pulse of the caribou. and It might be one mega herd or it might be just these little ones, but you're still going to go
0: make it work. Mm-hmm one of the lessons i learned is really to capitalize when you find the pulse of them like i think um we we went about as hard as you could go but i almost think in some of those spots like when you see them and it's late it's not fogged in yet like it should almost be another stock, even if it's 12 1 in the morning you know just because they're in that spot you know they're there there's good bulls and good populations time to go get into them and see what happens because it They just move on and even the hot zones that we'd find it seems like those zones would be hot for a day or two and those those caribou would move off you know even though they were living in a lot of those areas and not migrating through or it didn't seem like they were migrating through just because they were feeding they were bedding they were hanging around that area and then all of a sudden they'd be gone so um i think you got to strike while the iron's hot and i also think um you know when you're hunting pressure And this goes for anywhere, really, all of these tips and tactics, but when you're hunting high pressure, a a lot of it, you know, you're hunting against the hunters, too. And so, hunters, everybody shuts down at 8 o'clock at night. They're back in camp, they have a cold beer and a steak, and and nobody's out hunting from 8 o'clock on. Well, you can hunt 24 hours up there right now. Right. So, you know, those later shifts, when you run around, there's nobody out doing it. So, you have it all to yourself, where you can catch easy plays or have country to yourself. So... We capitalized on that quite a bit too, as hunting the hours that nobody else was hunting.
1: Yeah, we definitely um, were able to, um, as a minimum, formulate better plans for the morning mm-hmm. based on what we saw at night. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, that was a big thing. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's unique. Um, you sleep during the day. Do you, you know, are you are you sleeping from ten till two and then getting up and hunting or? It's tough. I mean, I, I don't know what the Appropriate setup on
0: that is maybe
1: weather depends
0: but mm-hmm. yeah and so fun Hawaii guys scored second day in they killed two really nice bulls that was neat to see so Sean and Janus both killed nice bulls the same day
1: we all got to be involved with them
0: yeah pack out and yeah. get them across the river Sean's died across the river over mm-hmm. there really nice tops on that one and then Rob ended up killing one the last day, same day I killed one there. Um, He killed one out in this flat that we had been hunting, and good for him. Yeah, those guys are bringing home some good caribou meat. Yeah, they're really good dudes. Really good guys. Yeah. And Scott, Scott's such a great guy. Like, uh, he's he kind of like he's he's our dad's age right and so yeah. but he has so much knowledge up there and, and it's bow hunted up there so much so really fun to share a camp with him and he runs kind of the the camp and the pipeline and i mean he'll just do anything for you too like a uh, drop-offs pickups raft like he's coordination guy and he just wants to have fun and wants everybody else to have fun but what a great camp
1: yeah it it, it he definitely added to the um, enjoyment of the whole trip and the camp life. And, the chair was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he, he, ripped, he ripped, when he ripped that chair out, just fell through, he just looked at me, and it was funny, just laughing, such a good guy. And then uh, it was proceeded to be a, a pretty comical experience watching him fix it. However, this, this guy took the most minimalist approach to fixing this chair, and it's still better than the chairs I have.
0: I mean, just, it works. Yeah, Alaskan to the core. Um, yeah, to to be an Alaskan, you have to be able to 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 fix it, do bush fixes. Like you got to be able to come up with solutions and, and make things work and get things fixed. And especially up on, you know, up on that whole road, like you got to be prepared. That's no easy deal up there. Like you think, yeah, okay, it's a truck on. I'm camping out of the truck and I'm living up there. It Won't be too bad. You just never know what you're gonna face as far as muddy roads semi trucks pop tires that shale rock is just sharp up there yeah you yeah. know tundra is a nightmare fog can be super super dense where it's tough to navigate in and through there or you get fogged in and you can't ever find a caribou you could be fogged in for two three four days easy yeah. you know it's it's a timing deal and you know timing of the migration and being able to find them and where the pulses are so you know it, it's not a given but we sure have time to write the last couple of years and I don't think we hit you know insane migrating action this time like yeah. I just, we just worked hard for it I mean I guess we did we killed bulls and saw caribou and I guess that is good caribou migrating action but I felt like we had to work pretty hard for it and travel a lot of country to go get on them
1: yeah, you know, you, you hear people talk about the, the caribou migration, and so whenever I go up there, I've got that picture of, <clears throat> you know, a thousand head, fo- you know, just funneling through somewhere, and you're getting in front of them, and you're set up, and they're just going to come by you, and it's one of those is going to work, right? Well we haven't seen that yet and maybe that's just way later maybe that's guys that go up there at the end of august or first of september which we should probably do at some point mm-hmm. you know at least later this year was fun i enjoyed it but do you have an extra tag in my pocket as far as a you know a grizzly bear tag how mm-hmm. uh, much fun would that be yes you know oh. i go run down a grizzly bear and try to stick him with a with a, a sharp a sharp stick as you would say um it's gonna yeah. add to our adventure quite a bit.
0: Oh, that's primal. Yeah, we yeah. have to. Uh-huh. Yeah, and we saw bears this time around too. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, I, I actually didn't see any bears. I saw a black bear coming out. Right. The Hawaii guys saw them. Sometimes muskox, I think, can be confused for bears, but um, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> they they knew when they were sawing bear, seeing bears. I think there was like a couple on the road that was kind of like there were a sightseeing couple up there, and they stopped and said that they saw a sow and a cub grizzly bear down that road, and there ended up being a musk ox, you know, and what would it be like a like a fawn or a, be a calf. calf? Yeah, I guess yeah, calf, bull and cow. Um, I think it was a calf and a cow down there, but it they have perfect. a big hump on them. So yeah, that's funny. With uh, I was hunting with Sean at one point, and then um, I left Sean, and I was closing in, and Sean turned around, and all he could see was his giant hump behind him. And, and the uh, the the Hawaii guys, yeah, they don't they don't like grizzly bears, or they don't want to. You know, they're just um, you know when you're not around them all the time, you're you're nervous about it. When you're hunting in grizz country, the same way I am in Hawaii, swimming with sharks. You know, oh, they're just right. they're used to it. it. Doesn't bother them. They're like bro, if it's your day, it's your day. I'm like, man, yeah, they're everywhere. I'm looking around. But, uh so yeah, he turned around and there was a musk ox right behind him with a giant hump. He thought it was the grizzly bear getting on top of him, but...
1: What did he say? He said, uh, I threw my binoculars up so so fast and almost knocked myself out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> such good dudes. It was so much fun. Uh, just good laughs, but, you know, true belly laughs. And I was ready for a little bit of vacation and, you know, I... Try to wear out a little bit of boot leather and you know, I was ready. Yeah,
0: we I, did. I needed that. Yeah, the close calls are just so thrilling. Um, those caribou just have such giant racks, it's so fun. You're always keeping track of them by their racks that are sticking up above the skylines and things. And <laughs> we just got to chase them that were just. Mind blowers, you know, like we killed a really nice one. I'm I'm super stoked with him. Really happy, mm-hmm. nice and thick, and you know, it he has definitely had a good, decent, mature bull. But um, man, some of those things up there. I mean, there has got to be four hundred and fifty inches of caribou up through there, yeah. you know, or more. Like they're just yeah. crazy, five hundred inches of caribou up there. Like I four eighty is pretty big. I you know I don't even know. I need to score them. Like yeah. I just hear. Brett talking about it. He knows how to score them. I need to score the ones I've harvested so I know what they are. Score the Hawaii boys. Know what those ones are. Just know, you know, what the numbers mean. I guess, but sure. I we can tell. We we've looked at enough of them now that you know I know when it's a a monster, or a good one, or a decent one. Like we're pretty good at field judging them now.
1: Yeah, I think so. And they're, you know, the way they score them's got to be interesting because there's just there's so many. Different places, all those points can be, and um, they're just all different, you know. Like, I you know, I I know you know, I know bowl elk can be all um, different, Mm -hmm. but really similar. (laughs) These things are just all really different. Yeah, it
0: can be a six or a five or a seven, not a forty. you know,
1: (laughs) or just you know, some of these we saw are just have a big you know a, a spike on one side and like a normal looking. You know right side with just this like yep. weird, I don't know if they, you know, and it's like any animal injury early in life line, or you know, or whatever it whatever happened, but um,
0: they all look different, don't they?
1: They're none of them are the same, like the point where you're like, Yeah, that's the bull we saw earlier, yeah, like, no, I'm sure of it, yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yes, that's so fun, and you look over a lot of them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you start being able to really judge that pretty quick, white horn bull, right. Just everywhere. That, yeah. he, was, he was a unicorn. <laughs> he was a <laughs> the mythical creature. There's just everywhere. No one ever could get to him. But no, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a sharp learning curve, but
0: it's good. Yeah, it is. It, it is a learning curve, and it just takes experience like anything. And that spotting and socking again, it just comes down to the fundamentals of, of not. Not ever stalking recklessly. Not ever making a move if you don't think it's going to work. If it, if it isn't going to work, if the wind isn't going to work, you don't push in. If it's, you know, if he's too far out in that open, it's not going to work, you don't push in. But if you are going to make that stalk, you do whatever it takes to get in unseen. So you're staying below the horizons, you're belly ca- crawling in that wet tundra, just soaking yourself to the bone, you know, to crawl in to try to get it done. You know, no, no quick movements trying to wait till they're not looking at you to get up and get drawn and um, and and those things just pick you out too they have good eyesight you know especially if you're just a bump on a log where they're coming across on wide open tundra and then you're just out there and you're crouched down trying to get a shot they look at you and they just know they're like that's that's not supposed to be here And, and I think the caribou we're hunting too are also used to hunting pressure which wisens them up too I notice hunting elk that are pressured and elk that are unpressured are two different species so I think, you know, the, the caribou that we're hunting, too, you know, have been hunted. They have been pressured. They know what, what humans are, and they know humans are chasing them. But um, it's fun. For me, the animal, the more challenging, the more I get into it, the more I like it. And, yeah, I want that that giant caribou. You know, one of these days, like, we killed a really nice one. I'm psyched with the trip and um, psyched with the caribou. But just that you just want to chase him again. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's... Uh...
1: If I was smart, I'd run up there in the next couple of weeks, even if it was just for a two-day turn-and-burn trip up out of there. You should. And just see what's going on and keep developing my education of that area. It just gives me a whole other time frame. So now we've hit it the entire month of August So when we go to planning, and hopefully with you know Rob and Sean and all you know, we went all the same party up there because it was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. And we're developing our, you know... Uh, how we we start knowing each other a little bit more and we just hunt better
0: together and you know everybody's in it for the group and in it to help out too which is really cool like um you just um you know everybody wants to harvest a caribou but it's just uh they're in it for the the group you know And, and um gosh I mean Rob gave me the shot at that that one, you know, out in front of me, you know, and, and vice versa, you're giving them the stocks or the plays or the shots on different animals and different critters. And um, it just comes back to you twofold. And really, you know, we invited those guys and um, they found that pulsa caribou coming, coming up to meet us, you know, and yeah. took us back there. And then we... You know, we found some caribou in some other places, but we ended up focusing right in that same area where they had found them. But they're just good for the team, you know. Everybody's trying to help everybody.
1: Well, yeah, Sean and Janus were... They they, they had no reason but to relax. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they, they got their bulls yeah. harvested and cleaned up and out of camp and, you know, in a freezer and just... They were more gung-ho than I think I was or <laughs> we were at the time. Like, no, like... We're gonna go. We're gonna go glass. You know they're just burning, they burning were money. For it. And, you know, yes. burning miles and just burning rubber, just trying to find stuff for us. And dude, it was a team effort. We're trying and I to think help that's it why it is. paid off. It was, oh yeah. You know that's why had, it worked out. We had four great tags and four great harvests. You know, mm-hmm. you know Scott and I can go up there later. It's just, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's it's ideal situation and for me.
0: Mm-hmm. It was so yeah. ideal. Mm-hmm. Yep. What a trip. Caribou were so fun. Yeah, one I shot down in the river bottom. God, that was a fun stalk. Down and through there, we had a bunch of fun stalks. Just fun getting close. It's fun playing the game. Like, the excitement of bow hunting is getting that chance and that challenge, that chess match. And, you know, a lot of the fun, too, is looking for them and traveling country and and enjoying the experience. But, boy, those, those thrilling encounters, those are the ones that just light my fire. They're just like, man this is why I love to bow hunt, you know, they're just like, this This is the reason why I'll, why I'll do anything to get up here, and, you know, you you you, you pay your money, and we, we go through, you know, taking off work and away from the family, but up there chasing those things, it just feels like what I'm meant to be doing, you know, it's so thrilling, so exciting, um, and I just feel so fortunate that I'm able to travel, and this is a blue-collar hunt, and really, that's all guys you know, at least like me that are able to do, but I, I mean, I'm able to do so much. And then to go to these different places, I, I mean, I couldn't want any more out of my life. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. We ran into a guy that, uh, I don't know, was he originally from Utah or wherever that moved up to Anchorage, but I mean, it's, there's a lot of people know that it's the, the coolest thing going. People come from all over for it. You know, it is a lot of fun and it's a, a privilege to go do it. And we learn from, um, uh, Captain Hook or uh, Jeff that there's uh, we wanted to catch sea run um, char right or mm-hmm. char well that's not what sea run it's actually Dolly Varden and the char are in there all the time so I'm, I'm bringing a rod next time you know Galworth Lake you got lake trout it's, I've heard it's worth going you know walking a little bit and going and doing like you're going to catch some nice fish and it's a lot of fun and it's a break from what you got going on, but we learned that river, actually, I thought it was a one-trick pony, no, I think that, you know, other than grayling, there's char in there all the time, we just gotta go find them, throw big wet flies at them, and just Mm -hmm. uh, turn this thing into a really good trip, catching fish and hunting caribou, and sometimes at the same time, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, me and you love to fish about as much as we love to hunt, sometimes, you know, I think you... More so even. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's no, I thing. I love fishing too and I love fishing for, for sea run fish, you know. There's just something about a, a sea run fish that fights so hard. Like they they grow up in the ocean, you know, and it's uh, the they're, they're so predatory from chasing, you know, whether it's bait fish or squid or whatever it is, like chasing it in the wide open ocean where there's millions of square miles, you know, that, yeah. that they have to go hunt across and to be able to grow up and grow bigger than they can grow while living in fresh water and then return to that fresh water. You hook those things, I mean, they are so feisty. Out of the water more than they're in. And, yeah. um, and that river is just a beautiful one coming out of the brooks and, and glacial fed and um, just got that, that dirty, you know, that teal blue when it when it's clean and then almost the dirty gray... Yeah. you know bluish color you know just that glacial fed river yeah um but yeah no that thing's amazing and we fished it last year for arctic char and didn't come up with any um but we don't know if the stretch you know was any good that we were fishing we had some good runs and caught some grayling but yeah i'd, yeah. I'd love to focus on that thing too yeah you It'd be fun. just get that caribou and um get it taken care of and got fish for a couple of days after you're done or just mix in a fishing day here or there and just make the trip a little bit longer i mean we were pushing so hard on this one i just wanted a caribou so bad like they're done we did on, on a really nice bowl yeah, i love yes. the palmation up top and um good best tines and just a good bowl yeah like, a lot of fun well i mean i i couldn't hope for any more and i killed him on the last day we held out the entire time we didn't go for any smaller bowls or you know we were really going for the the mature animals you know the i you know i don't know age class as well as i do with other animals but definitely going for just the mature good ones you know it was fun why wouldn't we just gotta do it we're up there
1: that you just keep putting yourself in the right situation and keep putting out the effort and you know what eventually it's gonna pay off and yeah sure some years it might not. but I think for the most part, if you're the right amount of aggressiveness, yep, you'll get it done. The right yep. amount, and there's you can wear yourself ragged, so you're no good when the high percentages are uh, opportune, if you will, um, or you just really pick your battles. And,
0: yeah, you have to sleep. It's like there's no way around it. And sometimes in the morning too, it's fogged in and rainy where it isn't good prime time to go out that's where right. you gotta catch up on a little sleep like uh, you know I, you don't need eight hours a night but you need to be functioning you know like I can I can run off pretty low sleep but I've got to right. have a few hours and, and two you run yourself ragged where you're not making smart decisions either you know right. and you, you're, you don't really you're no, you don't have your head in the game like you gotta just reset and start over the next day but we did a good job we pushed right we redlined the entire time. But, um, you know, caught our Zs in different places and would catch up and um, just able to hunt really effectively and efficiently. And we really didn't mess up too many stocks. I messed up the one in the very beginning, like our first stock out, and it was the bull that Sean ended up killing, which, thank goodness, those guys put themselves in a really good spot. Yeah. They made the smarter play. I Gosh, I just saw him, and he was feeding on the other side of this willow brush, and he was, he was in a perfect spot to kill him but i think the deal is is they were moving right to left where i thought they were moving left to right right and so when we came in on them i wanted to stay back and keep our wind to that side of them that shoot the close wind. side cheat yep. the wind yeah. and and shoot down that side wind and those bulls had worked into us right there. Right. And so you know we worked too far, just like you said, you made a motion with your hands that were your two hands crossing each other. Yeah, and right. that's what we did. So we ended up too far, bad win, winded that bull, that bull went to escape and then Sean capitalized and made a good shot on him and bull died across the river and just a giant bull with good tops and just a beauty. Yeah. But yeah, that's the only stock that I really felt like we messed up. Now we went on a couple stocks that didn't pan out, you know and well a lot of stocks didn't pan out but a lot of them we got into range
1: yeah they weren't you know um, i i t- two of the stocks i truly believe we were we got winded not really our fault i mean we did what we could and that was the highest percentage play that we could play mm-hmm. but yeah you're right that we had one that was you know we just aggressively went after it we just got in country and didn't know what end was up we we're still figuring yeah, it out just you know. first
0: stock first day it's yeah, fine like, get me <laughs> out you know let me yeah. cut me loose and yeah just overly excited but really i felt like that was you know strategically like only the only real error we made the other one that we got winded we came in with a good wind and we had a good wind while we were hunting those bulls for 30 minutes that yeah. one bull just circled around to our bad wind side. And exactly. there's nothing you can do when that happens. I think we had another scenario where they circled around. Well, yeah, it was the one where the whole herd, all those giant bulls, they we cut them off, ran to the bush, and they were running right at us. And they came right for us, and they ended up crossing on the right side of the bush. And I was just trying to get a shot, but they were too grouped up. There wasn't mm. an ethical shot there. there. Zero ethical shot. Yeah, I you know I had a broadside on the big bull but he just had bulls behind him there was no shot there I was just waiting for him to separate and they got on our bad wind side and kept working and kept working and then winded us right there yep
1: yep no we played that right There's nothing you do there I mean the fact that we made it to the uh, um, you know the actual top- the topography that would hide us um, I'd be amazed we made it to there mm-hmm. with them coming it just worked out really good and again so yeah there's guys on the roads sometimes the guys in the roads help you if they were headed towards the road you know we were you know a handful you know we were 800 yards off the road anyways maybe maybe a little longer but yeah, those maybe car- mile maybe a mile those caribou were looking at them it's hard to judge the distance out there but you know those caribou were like oh we'll go to the road no oh, there's cars there and they turned like their option they didn't want to go back where they came from so turned and just right at us and it just came together so fast you know um, this isn't going to work this isn't going to work oh this isn't going to work they're, they're actually coming for us oh they're going to be here oh they're here like it was six minutes they were on top of us I mean at least that's what it felt like it just happens fast that's at 15 miles an hour mm-hmm. just they, they don't look like they're moving fast but they're covering ground covering
0: ground yeah they can move when they're moving out like that
1: yeah but that they came in and they just they pulled that other side and kind of stayed grouped together and that's what they did the whole way into us. so I, I don't know if I mean that was a high percentage play. They were in Bow range
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there' were some big bowls in that group.
0: Oh man was there ever There was a big spiker in that one, but he was just a giant, but he only had a spike on the one side right, right. yeah gosh they're so fun. Like you say, they're so unique everyone's different. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm just in love with hunting caribou and it's on the, you know, it takes place on the North Slope, you know, it's just, uh, you know, the Arctic ocean is up there and these rivers are running to the Arctic. It, it's just different climate. Like say we're beginning August and it was 30 degrees. We were, had snow, we had rain, yeah. Yeah. wet and cold, but, uh, what an experience up there. Yeah. That's just so fun. Yeah. I, uh,
1: maybe another change of... Chains of shoes, a couple more pairs of pants, um, and a, a good boot dryer.
0: Oh, the shoe thing is impossible up there. Yeah, I don't know what a guy does he up He just plan on having pairs you cycle
1: through. It's like, yeah, I, today was a good day. I mean, almost all the way through the day without getting wet. <laughs> yeah. I'm wet now, so yeah. you change your socks, change your shoes, you put them on a, 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 one of those boot dryers or you know whatever the thing on the market is, I think... Maybe the propane one, something that goes a little faster than the 12-volt model, but even the 12-volt model
0: works. Yeah, it worked. Um, yeah, you want your hiking boots or hiking shoes, and if you wear the larger boots, like, I think those would be good, like higher cap boots, but I just don't like hiking in those heavy things, and I don't like the leather picking up water. You're going to be so heavy, and a lot of times you're walking in a lake. Like, you're, unless you're wearing muck boots, they are going to saturate through. And so I would wear, like, the mid-height hikers that were totally waterproof, and I waterproofed them before I came, wear gaiters. And I could keep drying a lot of the tundra, but there's some stuff, I mean, it'd be up to my knees. Yeah, it was just, you know, like, shoes, I'm, I'm right. wading through it. Yeah. But I hate wearing waders and wading boots. Like, That's you can't... and Because we're walking miles out in that stuff. Yeah. And and two, like, as you're walking miles, it takes so much energy. I know you talk, we talk about the tundra and the muskeg, but it, it's mm-hmm. tough to let you guys know like how difficult it is to walk across it, but it's like these sponge mounds, and if you walk on top of them, they're just trying to roll your ankles off every which way, even in the bottoms of them, they're trying to roll you off every which way, and so all your leg muscles are, are, are you're using all your leg muscles to help stabilize yourself so you don't fall over, and so every step takes that much more effort to take yeah. and to move across, and, and moving across it, like, I want to be nimble. I want to have my shoes or my hiking boots or something that I can hike in, even if they're wet. But I think the right system for me was the neoprene socks with my hiking boots laced up with the gaiters over the top. That way, when the boots got wet, my feet were still dry. Yeah. I, I think my neoprene socks now are starting to leak, though, so I've got to get another pair. But I I think that's my system. The The Hawaii guys ran ran muck boots, and they put on miles, and they, they liked them, but... Um, you know, I heard their boots came off a couple times, and I know yeah. Robin soaked his on a stock one time. Yeah, and he
1: had a big blister on his calf too. I saw like a wear spot from him. I, I don't. There's not a, a best option out there. <laughs> I don't know if there yeah, is. Like I, I ran, um, I I ran, you know, Gore Tex uh, Loa boots. They did good for a couple of days, but when they were wet, they were wet. And then I went to a, a my set of trucks or whatever. And um, that was really good. That it did really, really good with that. They still got wet by the last day, but I had more days out of them. Mm-hmm. So being able to say, okay, those are wet, and then by the time these next sets wet or whatever, and you go into a, you know, the dry pair again. But um, yeah, it's tough.
0: Well, sometimes you're you know, we're crawling in on those things. Like, it's either you're going to crawl in or you can't get any closer. And so you're crawling through a lake. Yeah. You're crawling through water, laying in water, soaking wet. It's 30 degrees out there. Like, you got to have extra clothes. There's no yeah. way around it. Even the best reindeer in the world out there, you know, you're going to need a neoprene, neoprene suit if you want to go out in it, which the Hawaii guys brought up, by the way, as <laughs> they're surfers. <laughs> they think a neoprene suit is the way to go. But five, um,
1: five mil neoprene, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: but um, you know, I, I think for us, our system, like, I, I think that works pretty well. You know, rain pants on there if it's raining, but I don't like how restrictive rain pants are either. Yeah. I, I just like wearing pants that I can hike, gaiters, boots, I can keep dry for the most part. If I got to crawl, you know, my knees will get a little wet, but at least I'm not soaking wet, but
1: and yeah again hunting this this type of hunt your your vehicle is in proximity all the time it's not like when we flew up uh up to the end of the world on top of everest if you will to go hunt moose you know that was we we're, we're going to be up there for 11 days or whatever it was for you get wet you're wet there's not a good solution for drying out I and mean, then we did good with building fires up there but um, still didn't dry out we had one one or one or two days of actually good sun to dry stuff out. So
0: some of those days were cold too. Oh, we, we had a tarp or a cover that we could get underneath and out of the rain, kind of. But with the wind up there and just that thirty degrees wind blowing, damp, even a fire, and especially hunting all day, where you get a little sweaty or you get a little damp, like you get that chill on you, you know, you just want to go get in your warm bag and get warmed up. Coastal. Yes, it's coastally cold. Yep. Um, but. You know, I, I think yeah, you gotta you gotta make sure you got enough clothes up there and enough waterproof clothes and change of clothes. And you're right, it is different than a fly out hunt or like a, a backpacking backcountry hunt. I mean it's definitely backcountry. You just use your vehicle as transportation and that's also really? where you make your camp is at your vehicle and I do think You know we've been bringing up a little firewood with us which has been nice or Scott's been bringing it up from his stash but um, bringing it up and it is nice to have a fire a little bit of warmth and just warms the soul and gets the whole hunting crew together and you're able to joke around a little bit but I I don't think it'd be a bad idea to run a teepee up here with a stove and then you could have it heated up and you know I like wall tents in the space and maybe that's the option we go for but i just don't like the the setup and you do get fairly quick when they have a frame with them in that. but um yeah i think a teepee with the stove would be nice too you don't you don't have the headroom and you kind of all have to sit around the stove um but we'll have to think about it and talk over the yeah,
1: some of those i've seen are teepee-ish but more they got a lot more room they're pretty cool mm-hmm. you get decent side walls on them as mm-hmm. far as height all the way around and um yeah, there's a lot of cool products out there. We just, all of us just put our heads down and try to find something we can all go in on or whatever that looks like, but um, being able to dry out, feel human, you want to go up there for 10 days and see where we're at, I think that, I mean, that's a must. You know, and like I said, we did, we did good with the, you know, the pop-up and, um, you know, our tent was perfect and everything was good, but. You know, to climb in and and peel down some clothes and hang everything up and try it out. (coughs) Big advantage for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. You know, our system works pretty good. And you have to be mobile. Keep trying to put yourself in the migration. And um, move your camp if need be, you know, so you're not burning fuel. Fuel's a major thing up there. We had it dialed this year. Scott had a 55 drum. Yep. You had 35 gallons on board. You had, what, a 20 and a 15?
1: Yep, and Scott actually had a 15 and a 55, so we had lots of lots of fuel. You hit cold foot and, and you know, fill up, and we were good. We did we hit it perfect. We just topped off a little bit in cold foot and able to roll all the way back to town. Yep, but yep, that was perfect. Yep, fuel, firewood, change of clothes, good boots, boot dryer. Yep. Set so I, I think you just go for it. Yeah. You know, I I would have brought uh my, like, Grundins type rain jacket for camp life. It's mm-hmm. you know, in your Gore-Tex all day, and then you go in Gore-Tex all night, and then in the morning you go put it back on and you need it again. It's just wet. Just, I could have handled that a
0: little different. But, yeah,
1: extra raincoat.
0: Yeah, pretty dialed on our gear, though. Yeah.
1: All in all, it was a... It was a great trip. I can't wait to do it again. I'm sorry that it's coming
0: to an end. Right, me too. Such a great adventure. That's just so awesome we have the opportunity. The days just fly by. You know, I what I thought we did pretty good in closing, like, what I thought we did really good, uh, keeping your attitude up is major. Like, this is the first hunt of the year for me. I mean, it's it's funny how you have all these plans and you get out there, and then, you know, all of a sudden the pressure's starting to get to you, and you got to say... Relax. You're hunting in the yeah. North Slope out here. Like, enjoy this. You're staring at a caribou through your glass. And not that I got down or anything, but you're hunting so many hours and you're going so hard and there's failed stocks and, you know, you're, you're just grinding. You're in the grind, you know. But you have to remember, too, to enjoy the process. And I, that was one of my major goals for this year is just to really enjoy my time out. And I, I did that. I really enjoyed my time out. We pushed really hard, like... I just, it's persistence on these hunts. That is the key to my success. I could give up so much easier. I could Mm -hmm. give up after the first stock, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, but we just keep pushing into those flats and into that. Like, I always think I can kill them, and I'm always just willing to roll the dice to give myself a chance. I'm always just like, all right, I'll go see if I can get close. I'll go see if I can make it happen. Like, I, I really think that's been the key to my success over the years is just that, that never died, never quit attitude, embracing it and, and liking it. Wore my legs out a few days, which is just great. Like I, I think those are the biggest smiles I had on my face when we were just <laughs> going on those death marches and yep. be coming back. Feel the suffering, you know, a little bit. But um, just embrace it and enjoy it and enjoy the Embrace the challenge of the stock too. Like I say, those caribou. I have so much respect for their instincts and the way they move across that tundra. The way they pick up on predators' eyesight, their hearing. They'll they'll hear you hear you splash 150 yards out if you splash the water. Like they're switched on. They're turned on to that country, you know, and so yeah to be able to outsmart one and then get a good arrow in one um go two for two for us two years in a row yeah um that's just amazing and then we captured the whole thing on film yeah it's got some epic footage like probably you know one of the the best shows i would put together which is another goal of mine this season uh, you did such a good job behind the camera and able to capture it sean captured some footage and um just able to build a, a great film and put it all together i can't wait to see what the editors do with it and and uh, see how it turns out. But man, like you say, it was a, a absolutely awesome trip and I really enjoyed my time with you up here. I really appreciate the sacrifice of your truck up there too. Like, you <laughs> take your truck up there. We got two flats that we plugged ourselves and then um, I don't know how many new chips you got on that windshield, but I know I at least heard two or three cracks <laughs> in the windshield, <laughs> you know, so. Um, it it does put wear and tear on it. But I just appreciate everything, man. I appreciate the time and um, just another great adventure. We gotta do it again soon. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't change it for the world, brother. Yeah. Like I said, I was ready. I was ready to go lay out some boot leather and get a break from just just a break. Mm-hmm. It was a good trip. We're good we're a good team out there.
0: We are a good team, yeah. Just
1: keep making plans and keep making it happen. Yeah,
0: you well, you keep a really good attitude too. You've always got the go for it attitude, but yeah, it not getting down and you're just always willing to go no matter how crazy my plan is i constantly i don't do it on purpose but we call it moving the needle and that's what i do constantly I'm, i'll tell chase like uh, well let's just go out there and go see we'll just go see where they're at let's just go get <laughs> to that rim and then we'll get to the rim and Gosh, if we just get to that far point there, and then we can see if we're going to be close enough to get there. <laughs> By that time, we're miles out onto the tundra. There's like no point in turning back. But yeah, I'm always moving the needle on you. But uh, yeah, I just uh, appreciate your willingness to go and, um, and entertain all my crazy thoughts and ideas and theories. And um, every once in a while, they work out. And um, psych for the Hawaii boys that they were able to harvest caribou. Yep. They're just great hunters too are willing to do whatever it takes and put in the extra effort they killed really nice bulls psyched to see that and just psyched to share a great trip man this is one i won't soon forget that the pictures and videos and just memories overall just um, these experiences we have in life like um in in the end this is what we take with us is, is these chances and even if i have to work all year long to have one week to go do something like that like it is worth it
1: man yeah. Yeah, we're apex predators. That's what we're doing.
0: We really are.
1: Just got to be in the field. Yep. Yep. I like it. It was was awesome.
0: All right. Well, let's shut her down. I'll catch plane in the morning, and, um, yeah, we got to keep in touch and talk again soon. you got to let me know how you do when you run back up the road. It's a deal. All right. Make it happen. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Uh, really fun podcast with Chase. Uh, just some great information and, and uh, great to relive that Alaskan adventure up there. That is just so fun. I just, um, you know, you kind of plan it and do it as a once-in-a-lifetime hunt, but um, it, it's almost like a once-every-year hunt for me. I mean, it's it's just something that I want to do as many times um, as I can. They're, they're a great high percentage or not high percentage but high opportunity hunt where you get a lot of chances and a lot of stocks which means a lot of excitement you know and I just absolutely love that and those those giant caribou racks they're just a special special species and I I think for some guys they're really curious and easy to harvest but I know where they get hunted off that haul road they're fairly switched on and and really well adapted to their environment and so um, just really fun to share with you guys and and put that information out there and I hope you guys get to plan your own Alaska Hall Road Caribou Adventure, Fly Out Caribou Adventure. Um, so fun. Uh, so, sponsor for today's show is Six Hour Optics. Um, they just make great optics, you guys. I am so impressed with their binoculars and their scopes, and I love looking through high end glass. So, they've, they've, they've really hit the mark with this one and they offer it at a, an affordable budget price, um, which is really cool. So, if you're in the market for some new glass, make sure to check them out. Uh, the rangefinders are absolutely off the hook. Whether you're a bow hunter or a rifle hunter, you couldn't get a better rangefinder out there. Um, just so accurate. Last target, first target, priority mode, um, powerful laser to shoot through glass, uh, grass, um, really good glass in it so you can see what you're looking at. Um, just awesome rangefinders. So uh, make sure to check those out. With that, yeah. I'm going to get on the road and um, go get on this elk hunt. We'll record some podcasts while we're going. Um, Not in the wind. (laughs) I learned my lesson there. Uh, It was fun to record one live and outside and while we were sitting on the vantage point glass and um, it's just a blast. But yeah, the wind noise, it didn't turn out. But uh, I say it's always a live and learn. And um, yeah, finish up this elk hunt. I got a couple more mule deer hunts coming up. But um, for the most part, I got to really get back to work. I'm I'm trying to juggle so many things right now with... um, um, you know with with life and uh, family and work and podcast and then hunting you know which really takes over this time of year but it's it's just been an absolutely awesome season i've had so many great encounters and great experiences and um uh, I'm just super fortunate and uh, just want to continue to record good stuff for you guys. So um, I really need to get back to the grindstone here and, and uh, get recording and get working on it and um, also be finishing up my construction jobs. But um, all after this week, I'm going to spend a week chasing these bulls around and um, see if I can't get an arrow in a good mature six. So um, can't wait. It's going to be fun. Uh, I've been seeing you guys have been having a, lot, a ton of success. Ex- a ton of success. Excuse me, I'm tripping over my words. I'm so excited. But, um, yeah, you guys have been sending me pictures of, uh, bulls and bucks and antelopes. And I just, I just, uh, I antelopes with an S, I guess. Antelope. Uh, I just couldn't be more excited, more thrilled for you guys finding success. And it's tough out there. I mean, archery success, I think it hovers around five to 10%. You know, that's, that's one out of 20 or one out of 10. So, um, if you haven't found that success this season, it isn't easy. Um, you know, sometimes I, I make it sound like it is, but it, it, it is tough on public ground, even with the most seasoned hunters. So, uh, that's why we just got to work so hard and grind at it, continue the, the learning process to get better and better, uh, just to up our odds and to, uh, enjoy our time when we're out there. So, um, all right, you guys, uh, that's the podcast. That's a wrap. Um, I'll check in with you next week.